Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would please. I am taking my time in, in, in this subject. I don't want to rush through this. I want us to stop and sit and meditate and think about what we're seeing in the scripture. The title of the message this morning is Stand Your Ground. Stand Your Ground. Everybody here has a place in your life. It's like that series that I taught on You know, everybody has a setting. They also have a situation in their setting. And then you stop and consider, and I I took the, the adult Sunday school class through this a little bit. We looked at the life of Joseph just briefly, but that we could see with him that God was in control and God was doing it for his glory. Well, I don't know what our situation is, but I tell you what, after hearing the testimony, my brother Tim Schmidt. It's like I'm thinking about the three neighbors I was praying over yesterday and had good opportunity with. And I, I was praying, Lord, please, I want to see somebody more, another person on this street come to know you because we've been here. And so I'm just praying that the Lord's going to pull that trigger. Before the Lord come, how many people do you know you would like to see in Christ. Amen? So, you know, by God's grace, here we are in our particular situation. I was reading, I've been reading on David. I haven't gotten there yet, but I was thinking about his mighty men. You need not turn to it. I want to read you just two verses out of 2 Samuel. It's in verse 23. Some of you have probably read this before, his mighty men. Oh, I tell you what, these these guys are great. There's one particular fellow, verse 11, chapter 23. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, Agi, the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. You know, lentil, it's ground, it's farmland. That's, that's, That's it. And the people fled from the Philistines. Okay, just give them the farmland. Don't die for it. Wait a minute. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. He stayed. He fought. They paid the price. But at the very end, this is what the verse says. And the Lord wrought a great victory. And I thought, that is fantastic. The Lord wrought a great victory because a man of God decided that a field in a farm was worth fighting for. That's great. What is it worth putting your life on the line? In a field, on a farmland? Yeah, he says, yeah, that's where the enemy was. You know, we might not think much of it. We can make fun of this particular area, not fun, but maybe look around and say, oh man, you know, it's amazing what has happened here. But you know what? It's where we live. Let's stand. Let's take a stand. Look in Ephesians 6, one verse we're going to be covering. We've already started at verse 10. Let's read verse 13. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now, I'm looking forward to getting to the specifics of the armor, but I wanted to spend this day one more time getting us prepared and helping us to realize that wherever we are, we have the opportunity and the command to stand. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, speak. Your people are here. I pray that you would be high and lifted up in this time. And Lord, may we see you and recognize that your spirit is speaking to us. It's you, Lord. So may we see you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, so far, we, we've, we've looked at three areas that I believe Satan seeks to attack God's people, us. He seeks to attack us, to defeat us. There was our priorities, our power, and our purposes. I want to take this, this message today and bring it down to one point, but then have a couple of subpoints in here to recognize this is how Satan works. Satan is after not only these three things that I mentioned, but he is after our person. Listen, you look in the mirror in the morning. That individual that's looking back at you is loved by God. He died for you and he gives you eternal life and right now a place at the throne of grace when we come to pray. But also there's somebody else that has a passionate desire to take you down. You, your person, you, the you of your life, he is seeking to take out. Paul is calling on every believer individually to take up the armor. So he says, wherefore on this account, because the fight is with the wicked one. Wherefore, take unto you, take it up. But the idea means not just to take it up and hold it. You know, like, like you get tools to do a job. Why are you standing there with those tools? Well, you know, they feel good in my hand. No, no, no. You take something up because you're going to use it for something. That's what that word means. You take it up because you need it. You're going to use it. Either defensively or offensively, you're going to use it. Now the word is in the imperative. You must take it up. Why? Because God has done everything he can. Are you listening? He's done everything he can to make sure that we can stand our ground. If we do this, if we take the armor, we can do just that. If you don't take it up, you're gonna fall. The Christian is to take up and put on all the armor once for all. 
It's not something that we take up occasionally. If we relax, we're gonna be in trouble as we will see. Withstand is to stand against, to resist. Why? Because there's coming a day. There is coming a definite time. And it's more than one time. We live in a constant time where there's evil around us, but there are times when here comes the evil day and evil in action opposite to us. Once again, we need to grasp this. Satan's primary target is not organizations. Satan's target is not governments or movements. It is people. It is individuals. It might be you this week, specifically, but he is targeting individuals. There are two areas that I found, that I thought of, where he goes after because he's, go, he's so good at this, so subtle, when it comes to taking people out. And we need to be in mind that we're going to be tempted. We have the armor. Let's hold to it. First of all, losing purity. Losing purity. How subtle is the wicked one? You know, when I think of David, <clears throat> I think of the psalmist, I praise God. But I also think of this. Satan was able to take down a man that stood against Goliath, but then he sent Bathsheba. And that was it. Because David was where he shouldn't have been. And quite honestly, Bathsheba was where she shouldn't have been. Somebody did wrong, and a king lost his purity. I will never forget this. Years ago, we used to go to Lucerne, California. There was the Christian camp there. Some of you, you remember that from a long time ago. But uh, the Winnegars owned that. They had purchased that property. Lucerne Christian Conference Center was great. Just enjoyed it. Going back into the mid-70s, I remember going there. There was a man that flew out every once in a while, great man of God. He actually owned a Toyota dealership in Washington, D.C. One time the Winnegars were out there and he said, hey, how would you like to come to the, uh, to the Russian embassy? I said, you're kidding. The Russian, yeah. I can get you in there. So he took him and sure enough, oh, and he'd called his name and they walked in and he's taking them around. One of the Winnegars tried to witness to the people there. And boy, did that, that, that didn't last at a nanosecond. But they're walking out and they asked, how in the world did you get us in the Russian embassy? <laughs> he said, did you check the parking lot? It's filled with Toyotas. I sold them to them. But he would come, there was a couple of things that he would, he would speak about. But there was something that God did in his life that really, oh mercy, just moved him. 
He was with Dr. Walter Fremont and somebody else, again, at a conference. Those of you been around a while, you remember us talking about him or the fact that he was on faculty for decades at, uh, at, the Bible, at Bob Jones. Dr. Fremont was one of the godliest men you'd ever want to meet. They're talking, this man that owns the Toyota dealership and Dr. Fremont and another man in the room, Dr. Fremont looked at this man and he says, hey, he says, suppose, you know, because of all your travel that you're doing, suppose you wound up going to a place, you, you stepped into a motel room, the motel room that, that uh, you know, you've been assigned to, and you walk in and there's a young lady lying in the bed, scantily dressed. And she says, oh, one of us must have the wrong room. He asked, what would you do? He said, well, I'd look at her and say, well, I guess we better find out, you know, who has the wrong room. And Dr. Fremont jumped up and he said, no, you run. You get out of there and you run. Several months later, this same man was at a motel for a conference. He was meeting with some pastors. He, 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 there, it was not about him, but he was meeting there with some pastors. Got there a little early, so he's in the pool and got his elbows up on the side, just kind of relaxing. All of a sudden, a young woman stepped out of a room and walked over and knelt down and suggested something to him. I'm not going to say what it was. Immediately, he got out of the pool and he started walking to the office. I got to get someplace where other people are. I'm getting away from here. He walked in and looked out the door just in time to see a car full of pastors pulling in. He thought, oh my, if I had given in what they would find me or where they would find me. Listen, there's a reason why pornography is so prevalent online. Are you listening? God knows every click you make on the computer. And ladies, it's not just men. But that is, what's, that is primarily what is driving so much on the internet. Satan is behind it. Don't, don't, don't fall. Secondly, not only losing purity, but losing peace. Go to John 14, would you please? John 14. Now this is this is very this is this is very key. Jesus Christ is speaking to us. And he makes this statement. Peace that quietness peace rest peace I leave with you. And then he says my peace mine I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now listen, 
Do you realize that if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have that peace? I have that peace. Well, I don't sure don't, I, I sure don't feel it. I mean, I'm looking around. That, that's, that's the problem. We walk by what? If we know that that peace is there, we can rest in that peace, recognize that it is there and operate and go through the day, not begging God for peace. He's already given it. We have the peace of God that passes all understanding. You know, this is why, this is why I mentioned to you, I am naturally a worrier. How many of you are like that? Raise your hand. Okay. I am naturally a worrier. That's why, and every time I open it up, I rejoice in this. Folks, this is where I start and you need to do the same. You need to get a hold of scriptures and daily remind yourself what you have in Jesus Christ. This is where I start. Be careful for nothing, not one thing. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't lose your peace over one thing. I have found that I can, I can lose my peace in a nanosecond if I let my mind going. Number two, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know why? My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, your weakness. So I remind myself constantly, daily, this is where I start. Be careful for nothing. My grace is sufficient. But then I rejoice in this, for we are his workmanship. Do you realize that our God is so omnipotent, he can work in your life and mine like we're the only ones that are in existence, although there are literally billions of people on this earth. He is at work. Well, how do we do that? How do we allow him to work? We put the scripture in. He's got to have something to work with. And so we give him truth, the truth that's found in God's word. And we yield to him to take that and mold us according to what he has taught us. Are you with me so far? We, we, we there? That's why, you know, you wonder, is it worth it hearing God's word preached? Yes, yes. Because the God of heaven is seeking to build us. Don't lose your peace. So there is our person that he's after. And in that, go back if you would please to Ephesians. Because he is doing that very thing in our lives. Ephesians 
take unto you the whole armor of God, verse 13 again, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And here it is, our position. And having done all, to stand. That we're done means to perform, to accomplish, to achieve, to do that from which something results, to carry something to its ultimate conclusion. So what we do in these next several Sundays, we mark the armor. We recognize how we put it on. And we realize how much we need it and rejoice that God has given it to us. When all is said and done, if there was a major panic in the world today, if there was one group of people that ought to be standing, it ought to be God's people. Why? Because we're so smart? No, it's because he's so good. And we have yielded to them, to him. To me, one of the greatest stands that you read in the scripture is from the apostle Paul, quite honestly. When he told Timothy, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. And I am able, I'm able to do what I'm doing because of him. The Christian is to take up and put on all the armor of God, again, as a once for all act and keep that armor on during the entire course of life, not relaxing the discipline, to, to keep it on. This was interesting to find out. And sadly, I think we see this a little bit in our nation today. There was a historian, his last name was Gibbon. He said this about Roman times. The relaxation of discipline and lack of exercise rendered soldiers, Roman soldiers, less willing and less able to handle the fatigue and strain of military service. Soldiers would complain of the weight of the armor. Can you imagine that? They are there to defend their country, but they're complaining about what they've got to bring up and strain of military service. Soldiers would complain of the weight and, and, and obtained permission to lay aside their armor. You know what? Christians are doing the same thing. They're complaining about the battle. They don't want preaching, they want entertainment. They don't want discipline, they want delight. And so what happens? We start giving ground and giving ground and giving ground. Hey, Christians are low on discipline, lacking spiritual exercise. Why? Because it's easier. And so we wind up saying, you know, I just can't handle the fatigue the strain of living Christ and the weight of the spiritual armor. You know, it's interesting. I never really saw this all that much until I studied this. A Roman soldier made a living from the bounty that he would gather from battle. 
Half the bounty was given at the time, at a, at a time, and the rest was given at a time, that time, half of it, and the rest was put into a savings bank and managed by a special officer. This was paid to the soldier. All the half, the, the half that was set aside for him, this was paid to the soldier when he was discharged after 25 years of service. If the man deserted, he forfeited his accumulations. Here is our part. Christians are losing their rewards and blessings when they retreat from living for the Lord. That's why the apostle John gave us a warning in his, one of his final epistles, 2 John 8, verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. It's so sad, and Paul alludes to this, that there are those that have just, after they've run the race somewhat, they've just stepped aside and said, you know what? It's not worth it. That's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Like we've talked about, there is the time that we're going to be standing before the Bema seat of Christ. How sad it would be if we wound up seeing all that we lost because toward the end we thought, it ain't worth it. I'm walking away. I got my salvation. I'm going to heaven. But the price is too high. There have been men and women in time past. They've paid a price. There are people, including the country that we were talking about, they're paying a price right now. Instead of quitting, they're standing. Having done all, they're standing. Martin Luther was accused of heresy, the diet of worms. Because of this, men are saved through Jesus Christ alone. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. There's two ways we're going to wind up losing. Number one, like we've talked about, Satan. So this is what we do. Submit yourselves therefore to God, James said. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The great preacher of time past, Vance Havner, said this, if we resist the devil without first submitting ourselves to God, like the verse says, he will fly at us and not from us. We want to resist the devil? You need to submit yourselves to God. Peter warns, hey, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Listen, Satan's not stupid. His minions aren't either. When we walk out this building, as he watches each of us through the day, he can pick out who was listening, 
who would resist him who is submitting to God and who walked out going, eh, he knows. He knows. Another man said this, resisting the devil does not mean rebuking him by shouting at him. It refers to a godly lifestyle of submission to God, a break with the friendship of the world, and a spirit of personal humility. I think he's right. Forsyth said this, unless there is within us that which is above us, we shall soon yield to that which is about us. Satan and sin, we need to be careful. We need to be yielded. Someone said, most people who fly from temptation usually leave a forwarding address. Don't do that. Instead, Proverbs 1.10, 1 verse 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Proverbs 4, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Romans 6, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. A recent author that I have, re- uh, I have read, Erwin Lutzer, said this, each temptation leaves us better or worse. Neutrality is impossible. Our response to temptation is an accurate barometer of our love for God. We're living in the evil day. We're told the days are evil. We are to resist. We are to withstand. We have a place. And so we are, having done all, to stand. Here's a good exercise for us all this week. The very first piece of armor is truth. Ephesians 6.14. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Lord willing, that's where we will be this next Sunday. Jesus said in John 17.17 to this Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Can I encourage you to embrace God's truth this week. Let's learn a little bit more about it. And next Sunday morning, let's gather and rejoice over it. Be meditating on God's truth. Satan's lies are flying everywhere. Everywhere. Don't give in to the wicked one and don't lose your ground.